Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Can we get the Bibles passed out before I start instead of like waiting? You know what I'm saying? Hey, if you need a Bible, I want you to raise your hand. We've got Bibles in the back that will get to you. Bible. Bible. Also, like, what got all over my... Uh, I feel like I need to do jumping jacks just to get warm. That's freezing. Okay. Do we all have Bibles? Do we? Okay, we got to buy new ones. If you didn't get one, I'm sorry. It'll be on the screen. Okay, not yet, though. Okay, I could just see it back there. Okay, hey, we're going to pray and we're going to jump in, okay? Are we ready? Okay. Jesus. Okay, now we can pray. (laughs) Suckers. Okay, Jesus, we welcome you into the room right now. We thank you that we don't just talk about you. We don't just uh, read the Bible to say we did it, but we want to encounter you tonight, Jesus. We thank you that you are at the center. And right now, Holy Spirit, we thank you for coming into the room. It says that you reveal Jesus to us. So, Lord, what we're asking for is a revelation of Jesus tonight. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we are continuing our series, As It Is, which you guessed it. It's from a Bible verse, right? On earth as it is in heaven. And tonight we're looking at the gift of prophecy. So I want us to quickly turn to 1 Corinthians 12. Now, I love prophecy. This is one of those things that I, I, I absolutely I absolutely love. I grew up in a church that I would say is like print up, ooh, prophetically friendly. Like we were okay with it. But my perspective of the prophetic was always uh, one person. It was mostly the pastor. Almost always the pastor would get a word from God. He would come up to the stage and somehow it would rhyme every single time. I'm like, so God like really rhymes when he speaks. Like it's always like my people or something like it always start like so aggressive. So I grew up knowing about the prophetic. I grew up knowing that God is a speaking God. When we talk about prophecy tonight, this isn't like fortune teller um, with a weird crystal ball, like telling you the things of the future. It, it's not that. Um, so I don't want you to think that, but I also don't want you to think uh, like one guy gets a word, then, then it rhymes. It's also not that. Okay, 1 Corinthians 12, 1. Okay. So this is... This is Paul addressing, and we've been using this verse throughout this series. This is Paul addressing the church of Corinth, and he's saying, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. I want to pause there. Considering talking about spiritual gifts, tonight what I do not want you to feel is uninformed. When we talk about the gift of prophecy, it is a gift. 
In the same way, on Christmas morning, I want you to imagine Christmas morning as there's snow falling on the ground, right? It's precious. You have slippers on. You're probably in footy pajamas your mom made you wear. It's okay. I still wear them too. You run out to the tree, and under the tree, there's gifts everywhere. And all of these gifts have your name on it. What are you going to do with that gift? You're going to open it. It has your name on it. When we talk about spiritual gifts, these are gifts given by God to us so that we would open them, so that we would use them, so that they would be a part of our life. Okay, let's continue. Okay, uninformed. You know what, you know what when, oh, whoa. (laughs) Also, does this mic feel like, is there any way to like turn it down just like a pinch? Okay. You know that when you were pagans, when you did not believe in Jesus, you were led astray by mute idols. Wherever you were led, or wherever you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one is speaking of the Spirit of God that ever says Jesus is cursed. Okay, we'll kind of continue on because it's getting. Now there are various gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are various, uh, and it varies of service, but the same Lord. This is important. There are different gifts. It is the same God. As we talk about these different expressions, these different manifestations, my hope for us is that we would not miss the man. That we would not miss God in the middle of these gifts. Not one single time did you open a present on Christmas morning and go, wow, thank you, present. You are so good, present. Thank you, present, for being here. No, what do you do? You say, thank you, mom and dad. Thank you, whoever bought you the gift. You thank the gift giver. Jesus is the gift giver. It says, various of gifts, but the same God. I do not want us to talk about prophecy and miss Jesus in it. Tonight's entire focus, we might not actually get to what it means to prophesy. Tonight's focus is that we would not miss the man and just talk about a manifestation. It's not worth it. It says, there's, in the New Testament, it talks about, like, you did all the things. You prophesied. You healed the sick. You raised the dead. But I don't know you. Like, I don't even know you. I don't want us to be young people. And let me be very clear. I believe that God is doing something in your generation when it comes to the prophetic. It, it feels heavy. It feels weighty. It feels very important. But I do not want to get it twisted. I do not want to talk about it without bringing the centrality of Jesus back into the middle of what it means to walk in these spiritual gifts. Okay? We good with that? Okay. I'm still continuing on. Sorry, I'm taking 100 years to just read this one verse, and I've got a billion verses tonight. Okay. Uh, But it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the gift for the common good. Again, the manifestation is given from God, the gift giver. For one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to the other the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and other to faith in the same Spirit, and to other gifts of healing by the one Spirit. Again, it's bringing all these gifts back, all because of God, all from God. And to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, and to another the ability to to distinguish spirits. Okay. 
this continues on. It's going to lift a list like 100 different gifts. But I want to look at why prophecy is important, why the prophetic is important, what the, um, the job of a prophet is, all those things. Um, I love that we've brought some clarity to what prophecy is. Its most simple definition is calling out the gold in someone. Now, I love the simplicity of this definition. It's saying, okay, I, I can look at you and I can see that God is on your life and, and I can see and you encourage people, which is very important. I think that definition, although it's good, it's incomplete. It's a good definition of what prophecy is, but I think it's incomplete because what the prophetic is, is actually bringing both realms to one. It's calling from what is not into what will be. It's taking the realities of heaven, it's pulling down the realities of heaven and releasing them on earth, which sounds really intense. And in the Old Testament, which is the beginning of your Bible, we see that God has set up this system. And in fact, one of the very first prophets is Samuel. And we'll get into why that I think that's important for your generation in a little bit. I understand that this message is not necessarily like, uh, I don't know. It's kind of intense in some parts, but I think it's really, really important. So I want you to, as much as you can, try to like soak up some of this like just information because I really feel like at the end there's some like inspiration um, for you to catch on to. Okay. So in the Old Testament is the first time we see this title prophet. And the prophet is the one that hears from God. God speaks to one person. One person hears the voice of God, and then that person relays the message to his people. He hears from God. He relays the message to the people. Now, the Old Testament, again, is filled with these prophets. Actually, like part of the Bible, so the first little bit of the Old Testament is it, it would be considered the law. And then when we continue on, there's books of wisdom. There's some really awesome stuff that we're talking about on Sunday mornings here too. But then we get into the prophets. Now there are major and there are minor prophets, which feels like some shade. You know what I mean? Like you're a, you're a major prophet, but like some of these guys are in like the minor league prophet. It has nothing to do with their skill level. It was purely like how big the, the book was. So we get into the books of the prophets. And then after we finish in the Old Testament, Malachi is the last prophet book in the Old Testament. Then God goes silent for 400 years. God is speaking to his people through the prophet and then silent for 400 years. There is no prophetic declaration. There is no voice of God. It was silent. And then we come into Christmas. Merry Christmas. I'm just kidding. But truly, Jesus comes, and for the first time, we begin to hear the voice of God again. This is really important because in Mark, in Mark 1, 14, you can turn there fast, but if not, it's fine. It'll be on the screen. I'm going to go through a couple verses uh, somewhat quickly. In Mark 1, 14 through 15, this is when Jesus, okay, Jesus is born of a virgin, Mary, right? Christmas, we know this story, right? The, the staple, the, the star, the baby, right? Y'all are with me? Somebody, look like you're alive for just five seconds. Thank you. Okay, the baby, born, grows up. He's a man. 
He's out in the wilderness. He waits on the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit comes, empowers him. He's baptized this beautiful thing. Then Jesus begins his ministry. And this is how he begins his ministry. He says, now after John, this is John the the baptized, the Baptist. After he was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time, and that word time is really important. That word time means kairos. And what kairos is, is what would take a very long time in a moment. It's like a supernatural. How many of you like have a memory that like sticks out in your brain and you're like, I'm pretty sure we were at Disney World for like 70 billion years because it's just like a memory that sticks out in your brain. It's like rich. It's like in time, but it's outside of time. He's saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Jesus is coming and he's saying, hey, the time has been fulfilled. And to us, we read that and we're like, okay, that seems pretty right of what something Jesus should say, right? The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. For these people who haven't heard the voice of God in 400 years, to have someone stand up and say, the time has been fulfilled. The kingdom of God is here now. This was a really big deal. He said the time is fulfilled. This is important because in Matthew 17, in Matthew 17, this is well into Jesus' ministry. And at this point, he grabs his boys. If this was Instagram, it would have the little green star at the top. Like this is close friends moment. He grabs his friends and they go and they go up a mountain. They go up this mountain and on this mountain appears Moses and Elijah. Moses, at the beginning of the Bible, right? Let my people go. You all are with me? Moses. We know Moses. Moses is on the mountain, but he's also on the mountain with Elijah. Elijah is one of those Old Testament prophets that we talked about. They have this encounter. Jesus, his body, his physical body is transformed. There's a commentary that says this portion of the Bible is three disciples catch a glimpse of the intersection between heaven and earth. And they observe Jesus in his heavenly glory. This moment is significant. Because in this moment, Jesus himself fulfills both the law and the prophets. Why does this matter? Because it was prophesied that that one would come and he would fulfill both the law and the prophets. Why would we need those things fulfilled? When Jesus stepped foot on the earth, Jesus changed the game for us. Jesus was this missing piece in the story that God is telling. Where it once was God speaks to one person, Jesus came, he modeled for us what it looks like to bring heaven to earth. This is where we get Matthew 6.10. And if you were around me at any, well, really, at 6.10 p.m., you would know that this is very important to me. It says that we should be releasing heaven to earth, on earth as it is in heaven. When we release God's heart from the perspective of what Jesus has bought and paid for. When we release God's heart from the place in which Jesus dwells, who Jesus is, 
as the one who both fulfilled the law and fulfilled the prophets. When we approach prophetic ministry in any nature, calling out the gold, yes, but it's most importantly pulling heaven to earth. It is a kairos moment. It is what should only happen when we all go home to meet Jesus. That's healing. That's destiny. That's freedom. It's pulling those things down from heaven into the world we live in today. But the peace, the importance is not the gift. It is always Jesus, the one who gives the gifts. You can be the most, okay, let me just talk for my own life. Is that fine? Yeah. Good. I'm glad we're together. This is how I thought it worked. I thought, as a Christian, I say yes to Jesus. I say yes to Jesus. That's a beautiful moment. We love when people give their hearts to Jesus. It's important. I say yes to Jesus. And then I, I consecrate myself. I say no to things. I say no to the parties. I say no to the thing. I, I'm focused on Jesus. I consecrate myself. I, I make the sacrifices. I, I do the things. And then he sees how much I've set myself apart and his anointing. And, he, and he, he anoints me. And then I, as this place of being consecrated and anointed, I then get to release the kingdom. Listen. All of those things are good. We have to. Absolutely consecrate yourself to Jesus. No other life will give you anything worth value. Everything in your life, literally, I hope you hear me say this, anything not built on Jesus will crumble, period. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter how young you are. If it's not built on the foundation of Jesus, you labor in vain. You labor for no reason. It is very important that we consecrate ourselves. And this piece of anointing, absolutely, God always anoints. He always gives the gifts. He, he gives without, he actually, which is wild, he actually gives without repentance. Like, he'll give it to you even when you don't deserve it, which, that's crazy. These are all important. Here's the piece that I missed. I consecrate myself. I give my life to Jesus. I keep my eyes on Jesus. Jesus in me is the anointing. It is Jesus, the anointed one through me. It is Jesus who then releases the kingdom. It is not me. When we talk about spiritual gifts and like God anointing people to do certain things, at times it can become, um, I don't know, a little bit of, of how the world would view it. A little bit like you practice long enough, you work hard enough, you blah, blah, blah. It's not true. It's Jesus. It's not true, it's Jesus. When it comes to the gift of prophecy, it, it's not you, it's Jesus. And I think for so many people, uh, prophecies out of a place of your own anointing has actually plagued an entire generation. Because the prophecies are so puffed up, so huge, so big, you get paralyzed by a prophecy. Maybe somebody has spoken over you. I, I actually see this in your life, whether it, Whatever it may be. And maybe you're, you've never heard prophecy before. And 
to that, I say welcome. I'm so happy you're here for tonight as we talk about something a little intense. But maybe you've had one of those words where you're like, man, that's a lot. And I don't know how any of that connects. And, and you become paralyzed to a prophecy because you miss the person. Because you miss the gift giver. Because you miss the one who gave it to you. I'll tell you this story. And I'll try to do it in a way that when it, uh, nobody's going to see this. <laughs> I interacted with a senior pastor recently. Not here. It's a different church. I know. I interacted with a senior pastor, and he, he tells me of this vision he has. He saw Jesus walk into his church. Like, saw Jesus walk into your church. Like, Jesus is real. Like, I would not give my life to something that was just a Wednesday night commitment. I would not give my life to something that is a son. Please, for the love of God, do not come. <laughs> for a Wednesday night commitment, do not come for, because you think you'll be a better person. Jesus is real. He's real. He's really, really real, and he wants to show up in your everyday life. Jesus walks into this guy's church. He's telling me this, and I could tell he's frustrated. And he said he was holding something in his hand. I have no idea what was in his hand. I'm like, okay, let me just retell this back to you. You are sitting at your church, and Jesus walked into your church and you're concerned with what's in his hand, what he has for you. Jesus walked into your church. I literally repeated it. Do you realize how many people would love to see Jesus walk into their church? Can we not get so consumed with what he's holding in his hand? Could we get consumed that he's here? That the giver of all good gifts is here? In Acts 2, it talks about, so Jesus changes the game. Jesus changes the game when it comes to the prophetic. Because he, in one moment, he fulfills it all. And instead of holding it all to himself, what does he do in Acts 2? Jesus then, right, dies. He's buried. He's resurrected on the third day. He defeats all of hell, all of the grave, all of shame, all of pain. He comes back with a roaring victory. He spends time with his friends, and then he says, hey, I got to leave. I got to leave because I'm going to leave you with someone even better. And that's where we see in Acts 2 where they waited on the Holy Spirit, and then the Holy Spirit came. And it says in Joel 2, it was prophesied that in Acts 2, it was preached. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Instead of taking all of that ability to release the heart of God into humanity, he then pours it out on all of us. And he says, now what I do, go and do greater works. Revelations 19.10 says that the spirit, the testimony of God, this is the life of God, the life of Jesus this thing we just talked about, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, the gospel, is the spirit of prophecy. It is the life of Jesus is the prophecy. It is what Jesus modeled in pulling heaven, the realities of a different realm, into the earth. 
we briefly talked about Samuel. He was in the time where it was switching from the judges in the Old Testament, the judges who were in charge of Israel, into the prophets. And the story of Samuel is very important in this generation, and I'll explain why. Hannah, Samuel's mother, was at the temple one day, and she's wailing. She's crying. She's, it says she's groaning, so much so that the priest there thinks that she's drunk, which is awesome, like really hilarious. She's, the guy's like, do you see that lady, like crying, and like she can't speak, like she was praying so hard, like you couldn't even hear words come out of her mouth. She was desperate. She, she couldn't have children. She was desperate. She was desperate for an answer. She was desperate for a solution. She's crying out. She's crying out. She's crying out. And she says to God, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. Like, if you, if, if you answer this, I'll give him back to you. And what Hannah did not know, she was asking for a son, but God needed a prophet. I believe, listen to me, I believe more than I've believed yesterday, which I believed a lot yesterday. I believe that what God is doing in your generation specifically, listen, me and Samuel have pastored uh, millennials too. Uh, we're also millennials. We've pastored in that realm. There is something specific. There is something unique on your generation. I hope you hear me say this. I believe that what God wants to do here I love your generation. What God wants to do in each one of you, specifically in this room right now, what God wants to do in you will change the trajectory of this city. I believe that. I believe that what is on your life, what you are called to carry, will not only transform this city, I think it will transform our county. I think it will transform our state. I think it will transform the Midwest. I really believe it, and I believe that ripple effect will go into your entire generation. I believe that. Not only do I believe that, we've had other prophetic voices speak into, I literally just sent Sam today a prophecy from last year, this time. Dude's like a legit guy. Like, not just like Kirsten has a good idea or like loves her job. Like, this is a guy who does not know you. This is a guy who has no context for our, our church prophesize over Zoom. I feel like God is going to do something significant in the youth of your church between millennial and Gen Z. He prophesies like a, a coming revival in you. These prophetic words matter. These manifestations matter. These gifts matter. And I believe more than ever that your school, your family, the world is praying right now. They don't even know they're praying. They're hurting for a solution. They are crying out for something better. Worship team, you can come up. They're crying for something better. They're looking for an answer. They're looking for a solution. They're looking for anything to stop the pain. What they don't know, they're crying out for solutions, but God is releasing prophecy over your generation in a way that we have not seen before. 
the ability to walk into your school and call heaven down. The ability to walk back into your home tonight and your parents sleep peaceful because you're there. The ability to walk into your workplace and somebody goes, whoa, like, I don't know what you have, but, but I just feel so at home with you. The world is crying out right now for an answer and a solution. And you're it. Like, tag, you're it. It's the testimony of Jesus. It's Jesus' life in you that is the spirit of prophecy. It is not your gifting. It's not your anointing. It is Jesus in you, the hope of glory. It's important. It matters. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you're here with us tonight. I love that I didn't even get halfway through my notes. (laughs) God, you're faithful. You're true. I want you guys to stand up. We're going to go into worship, and we're going to continue praying. I did just cut off my prayer on purpose. Because I, I want us to intentionally go into worship. I'm going to have everybody come forward. I, I, I understand that some of us like to spread out, and that's cool. But, but there's something about doing something together that I think is really important. I want us right now to turn our attention. And what does that, what does that even mean? Sometimes we say these things kind of out of rhythm, like turn our attention, our affection towards Jesus. What this looks like is closing your eyes. And I want you to picture, I want you to picture Jesus. And maybe some of you don't have like a super clear picture of, of who he is. <laughs> that stupid audio, like, do you want me to describe him to you? <laughs> oh. But I want you to picture like the best hug you've ever gotten. There is a man who knows your name. There is a man who who both wrote your name on the palm of his hand, but also the same palm of his hand was nailed to a tree. There is a man who gave his life for you, who, who on purpose, on his own accord, laid down his life so that you could live. What a love. What a sacrifice. Jesus, we turn to you that you didn't just stay on the cross, but you actually swallowed all pain, all shame on the cross. All sickness, all disease, you took it on. You took it on for me. You took it on for each person in the room. Right now, Jesus, we look to you. We look to you. You're both the giver and the gift. We look to you, Jesus. And we thank you that you told us to pray like this. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in Revolution, in Champaign-Urbana, in Illinois, in the Midwest, in our nation, and in a generation as it is in heaven.